Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to the From Way Downtown podcast. This is Nat Newell, uh, Pacers editor for Indie Star. I am with, of course, Dustin Dopirak, our uh, Pacers insider. Uh, a lot going on here for the Pacers with the uh, various draft workouts. It's been a few weeks since we've had a chance to uh, podcast, but uh, um, let's just start with the obvious, Dustin. Uh, you've seen a lot of guys work out. Uh, who have you liked so far? Um, and obviously there's there's the number seven pick like, and there's the late first round, early second round like, uh, but just sort of uh, hit a few highlights for us on what you've seen. Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously we don't get to see a ton. Um, basically it's, uh, you know, we see some shooting afterwards, you know, basically most of that, the, the workouts are done uh, behind closed doors. But I think, you know, obviously Cam Whitmore is the only guy that we've seen uh, so far that's lottery level, uh, that, that's sort of in that group of uh, about seven guys that seem to be in in, in that third tier of guys that that's, that would seem to be under consideration under seven. Uh, they're bringing in at least one more of those tomorrow with Taylor Hendricks. Uh, might have another one coming also. Um, so expecting to see, uh, yep, they do have another one coming. Ter- Jairus Walker uh, was announced 10 minutes ago. He's going to be uh, a, um, uh, he's going to have an individual t- workout tomorrow as well. So so two guys that are obviously uh, of serious interest from them that, that seem to be the better fits positionally, power forwards who are multi-positional defenders, uh, can guard on the perimeter and block shots uh, and rebound and have some uh, inside-outside offensive talent. So those guys can be interesting to, to see and get uh, a better sense of uh, tomorrow. But, um, you know, that's kind of who they looked at so far. I think I'm still interested to see just, just how the degree to which they, they you know, look into uh, the Thompson twins, Osar in particular, you know, Anthony Black, to see if he gets an individual workout uh, will be worth checking out, even if uh bother with with grady dick uh that one will be an interesting just to see if they they check him out um just because he doesn't necessarily bring uh the defensive versatility that you want but obviously he's a great great shooter and, and if you're uh expecting to move it move on uh from buddy healed either this offseason through a trade or in a year by letting him walk uh you are going to need a shooter uh to keep the team spaced uh, keep the floor spaced out so uh those guys will be interested to see going forward um but going back as far as uh players that that are more interesting from a later round perspective obviously don't know what which one of those picks are going to keep um but guys, I just found intriguing based on their sort of backstory and, and, and what they were like to talk to and, and how, you know, even some of them, the guys that were uh, at the combine who we also got to see, uh, you know, Andre Jackson, I think, is, is a really interesting player just because he's not a guy who needs to score a lot, but he's a really good defender, uh, does a lot of things just to help teams win, uh, you know, doesn't put up a, a ton of stats, but, um, you know, matters, good passer. Decent, you know, can hit shots, even though his shots a little funky, uh, can defend a bunch of positions. Obviously, it was really, really important uh, for Connecticut in that championship run. Thought Jordan Miller uh, from Miami is an interesting guy that that might be around uh, even at the end of the second round. A uh, guy who had some really, uh, you know, really good three and D guy, but had some really good performances from Miami to get them to the final four. Um, and today I thought um, uh, uh, Jaime Jaquez, I, I think, is another one that's worth checking out right around uh, between that 29th and 32nd pick. 
pick uh, will be worth looking at if they keep those. It's just a guy that's, again, fits that big wing um, position, is a decent defender and can score in a bunch of ways. Obviously won a bunch of big games at UCLA. Uh, but uh, I thought today the guys that, that we checked out today were pretty interesting. Noah, Noah Clowney and Gigi Jackson. Uh, Gigi's numbers are pretty rough, but, I mean, he's – Still 18. He's going to be 18 until, uh, you know, middle of December um, and uh, shows, I think, just a, a lot of ability, you know, big, big wing at six, nine, you know, legitimately uh, barefoot measured six foot eight uh, and a quarter and about 214 pounds uh, just you know, has capacity to have a really good handle. Just you look at him, you watch his tape, and he looks like a, he functions like a guard. He functions like a, a bigger three. Um, and I think that could be an interesting type of guy in the future. Really good finisher around the rim, is capable of shooting. But I thought one thing that he mentioned uh, to me that was interesting, he said, you know, that uh, that sometimes he, he, he says his coach keeps telling him, his trainer keeps telling him, carbon copy to take shots uh, that are the same every time, do something that's more repeatable. And he hadn't really done that yet, um, which kind of tells you just, just how – yeah, raw isn't necessarily the term, but just that, that there are things that he's learning about playing at, at this level and even the college level that he hasn't figured out yet uh, that can lead to a, a lot of capacity for growth. Maybe uh, he's got a higher dis- distance between where he is now and his ceiling uh, than a lot of other the guys. He just hasn't had that much time for development yet um, and wasn't on a very good team at South Carolina at all. His numbers, again, shooting splits don't look great, but he seems to have a sense of how to work towards fixing that. So I think that was a guy who was really interesting. It should, it, you know, good kid, you know, eat for, for all his maturity of acknowledged maturity issues. He was also just just great guy to talk to. And I thought Noah Clowney was an interesting one too. Guy that uh, Indiana was pursuing last year before he went to Alabama. So I got to talk to him a little bit and get a sense of uh, his game from his AAU coaches, high school coaches, you know, what he was all about there. Um, and had a productive year at Alabama, good rim protector, multi-positional defender, can hit some threes, really good finisher around the rim, really athletic guy, you know, throwing down lobs, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, he's, Probably more of a five than a four uh, at this level. So, again, I think, you know, the Pacers have to be concerned about, you know, getting further, uh, further clogging that position uh, and and leading to guys just not getting a lot of minutes and having to move on from them quicker than you want to. Um, but uh, I think he's an interesting player and I think he's going to be good for whoever does draft him. Yeah, uh, Jackson scares the heck out of me. Obviously, I'm no scout, mm. but but who struggles to shoot. I mean, 38 percent overall, I think, in, uh, at South mm. Carolina and. 32% on threes, and then you add in that he's 18, and you can say, oh, yeah, he's got all, I mean, he's got the, all kinds of potential by all accounts, but he's got his first contract's going to be up before he's ready to play. But, uh, mm-hmm. um, but so that would scare me. But, uh, um, you're he, not taking him at seven. Like, you're, you're no, not thinking he, about it. He'd be a late first rounder. He'd be um, a late first rounder. I, he's, he, I feel like I've seen him fall on mock draft boards. I think, uh, you were seeing somewhere in the 12 to 16 range before the last one. I just looked at had him in about 24. Um, so I, I think that's what you're going to see is that, that, okay, he is more raw than we realize there's potential there, but you know, how many years are you willing to invest in that? And you'd rather do that if you're already winning, um, and, and you can stash him and play him some minutes, you know, just with your second unit, uh, and let him grow for a couple of years and you don't need him to win you games. Basically that's, that's the situation you want to be in is, is have a couple of years where you don't need him and then hope that he rises up and becomes the player that he was supposed to be uh, by the time he's 22, and that gives you four years. You got some time there. Um, to me, looking at the way the draft board probably breaks down, I just I don't see any way that you're not going to have at least one of Hendricks, Walker, and Whitmore on the board when the mm-hmm. pace pick. Um, is there someone that you think they would like, or someone that you would like based on what we've been able to see? 
like that's that's not a power forward or 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 wing, you know. And Whitmore is more of a sort of forward forward. But but anyway, anyone who's not in that group, you know, if someone falls, who are you who are you taking instead of one of those guys? Uh, the the one I I want to look at is Osar Thompson. I don't think Amon's gonna fall. Um, just because of, of just all the point guard talent he's got. And I think whoever picks it for, I think is taking Eamon, uh, whether that's the Rockets, I think he's a clear fit there. And, uh, but even if he, if he falls, I don't see the magic letting him go. Um, and, and, and he obviously doesn't fit just as a lead guard, but I think Osar could be around. Um, and I do think for, uh, I, I think just even from just talking from to Pritchard on lottery night, you know, when he was asked uh, whether he is thinking about it in terms of fit or a best player available, um, he, you know, he really went back and forth on that as, as to he's been wrong both ways, but he just said, I think you got to get somebody who's high ceiling. Um, and so that kind of informs a lot of my thinking that like, I think Walker and Hendricks are the clearest fits in terms of what do you need? You got a problem on defense and you need a power forward. Well, how about go get going, getting power forwards who can really play defense. Um, but I think Whitmore and, and Thompson are the guys that are uh, the higher ceiling options um, that, you know, if, if you really see what you, if you really like what you see there and you believe in their capacity to turn into great all-star level players, um, you know, and, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, you don't, get to pick at seven very often uh in the history of this franchise you know they they haven't been up there very frequently and they really haven't been up there since the end of the 80s uh you know that when they really built that core uh you know with smiths and chuck person and some of those guys and and that that turned them into a uh, a competitive team in the early 90s that got more competitive as, as reggie became a star um they, you know, like that's the last time that they were picking this high consistently. They obviously got Matherin last year, but you you look, you think of it as, you know, you want to, tr- if you can get an all-star, someone you believe can be an all-star, you want to do that, even if it doesn't necessarily fit your position uh, right now. So I do think that whether they make the pick or not, I think they're going to have a hard time passing up either Whitmore or Thompson uh, because the ceiling's high. Uh, again, Whitmore's really young. He has, I think, a, a, an ability to get get to be a lot better. Uh, his numbers weren't great either uh, for for a freshman. You know, there was a lot of inconsistency there. He was dealing with injuries uh, as well. But I mean, he showed I think more flashes and he's more powerfully built uh, than Jackson is. So you kind of believe in in his ability to to make an impact right away more. But I think there's there's a lot of room for growth and and you can. See see all-star level potential uh in a cam whitmore and you might be able to see it in all-star thompson's got just huge vertical great guy in transition uh can shoot it better than his brother um from what i've just seen on on tape and you know uh highlights and even critiques and whatnot um you know, a lot of length there, again, a lot of athleticism, sharp player, really good passer, uh, you know, again, good enough shooter. It, like he might be hard. Th- those two are the guys that are going to be hard to pass up because of potential. Um, and so they might both be gone by that point. Um, I think obviously well, a big part of what's going to decide uh, what they do again, presuming they stay at seven is the kind of the, the, the base of this conversation, um, you know. Detroit's going to take one of those guys, whether it's Osar Thompson, whether it's Cam Whitmore, whether it's Jairus Walker, uh, they're going to end up taking one of those players because that fits for them as well. And so you're going to be deciding on who's left. Um, but, you know, if, if there's somebody else that I think they would take, it'd be one of those two guys. Yeah. And like you said, I, you got to think Houston, if they keep their the fourth pick and Orlando, um, if they're picking at six, you got to think that they're probably leaning point guard i mean you don't you never know but i mean and that seems like which is what the pacers certainly don't need 
Um, right. So that certainly helps them out in terms of there being someone. Um, I, yeah, again, to me, it's sort of like the worst case scenario here is you get to pick one of the the, the one of the t- top three power forwards uh, in the draft. Um, mm-hmm. So you kind of got to obviously you'd rather be picking one, two or three, but uh, um, finishing or, or, you know, slotting in at seventh has worked out OK for them. Yeah, no, it's not it's not a bad scenario. I mean, they can't go wrong. Um, and, and again, I think like Walker and Hendricks is the safe pick. One, one of those two um, is, is safe. You're not going to no one's going to say you're an idiot for taking them. They're going to give you production right away um, and they're going to give you defense right away. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, you look at Walker. He's just I mean, he's really just powerfully built a lot of length. You know, he d- didn't measure that tall, but measure measure a huge wingspan at the combine. Uh, explosive, one of the top vertical leaps, but and just really sharp uh, intellectual defender who can really take on multiple positions uh Hendricks I haven't had a chance to talk to yet so I'm looking forward to getting to to meet him tomorrow and get a better sense of you know the kind of basketball IQ there but I mean he's just he's got a ton of length really good shot blocker and and you can see him defending multiple positions and he he moves well as as more of a three type guy uh as an offensive player you know you see him he can shoot off the dribble a little uh take some outside shots I mean I think you just trust that those guys can be productive I mean I don't know that they're you know, all-star level players, but I think you look at them and say, those are solid NBA starters. Uh, you know, you're, you're not going to whiff on them. Um, and so, you know, that that's, again, that's the worst case scenario is you're, you're getting a guy that can be kind of a cornerstone piece for you that does a lot of the, the little things well that you need to get better at because, I mean, again, uh, 29th in, uh, in points allowed is just not going to cut it. Um, you know, they, they've got to be at least as good as they are on offense, as fast as they can play, they got to be at least functional on 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 defense. And and one of those two guys isn't going to fix that for you immediately, but it it helps. And then in a couple of years, where they get used to the league and used to the guys they have to defend, uh, that can make you a lot better at that point. Yes, yeah, it's, it's important to remember how young all these players are coming into the league and expecting immediate uh, help beyond the first few picks. Is uh, I mean, it can happen. Matherin certainly mm. proved. But it's uh, um, you shouldn't expect it coming in uh, with the pick. But uh, you uh, you mentioned hey, we're assuming that they stay at seven, so we can talk about uh, them perhaps not staying at seven. Um, obviously, Spurs aren't trading Victor Wembanyama. Uh, it seems like uh, there's another report out there today. I believe Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer said that uh, Charlotte's looking uh, hard at uh, Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson. Um, mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, if you're the trailblazers, you don't, I, I mean, t- uh, Scoot Henderson is uh, by all accounts an incredible talent, but that would give you three small guards in Portland. So that makes them an obvious trade option. There's been a lot of talk about um, the Rockets perhaps looking to move the fourth pick for a more veteran guy. I don't know that the Pacers, you know, I, to me, it's if you want two or three, I, or if you can't get two or three, I don't know that I want to trade a whole lot to move up. Uh, by all accounts, it's a, you know, there's there's the top three and then there's a drop. So right. uh, is it realistic that that they can trade up with and it would seem like Portland's the choice? I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? We've, we've touched, touched on this before, but what are your thoughts on this now? Yeah, I mean, I think that my thought is that if you're not getting Brandon Miller, then it's not worth it. Um, just for the positional fit. I mean, I, 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 again, I think Scoot's really good, but I mean, am I going to uh, trade something else that's you know, like, especially if you got to move somebody really good? I mean, it seems to me that Portland wants players. Uh, Portland wants somebody who's game ready. So it like they're not that interested in your package of seven, twenty six, twenty nine, and thirty two. You know that that's not. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, that's not cutting it for Portland. They want somebody um, who's you know going to be able to be a running mate with Damian Lillard right now. Um, and so I think I mean I think it's a hard move for uh, it's hard for them to trade with Portland to start with. Um, if you know because I think. I don't know if I'm Portland, if I'm making that deal, it, uh, making a deal that sends the three unless I'm getting Miles Turner from the Pacers. Uh, that that I think is sort of my baseline of like, all right, if I'm, if I'm getting into it with you, that's who I want. That's who I think can make, move the needle for me. Uh, I mean, maybe Matherin, um, if the, the Pacers were even willing to do that, and I don't know if they would be. Which is it was like, OK, like if you're going to get if you're going to try to get Miller, it's like, OK, you want to pair him with uh, or, or just, you know, combine him with Matherin and Halliburton and say, OK, that's my core. That's who I'm rolling with uh, going forward. That's who that's who I'm believing in. Um, and so, it, you know, it like if you're Portland, you're saying, OK, well, I, I want Turner. But if you're the Pacers, I'm not giving up Turner straight up for Brandon Miller. Uh, I want something in return. So it's like if I, you know, I, I, it seems like Anthony Simons is movable. Um, you know, I'd, I'd have to want that. Um, but on the flip side of that, if Charlotte's taking Miller, uh, I'm not giving that up for Scoot Henderson. You know, uh, I'm not I'm not becoming that guard heavy and getting rid of a top 10 center. Um, you know, in the league uh, to get another lead guard who I have to force to find out a way to play off of of Tyrese Halliburton, talented as he may be. I mean, like, unless you've got another option, you know, certainly there's three-way deals and there's also playing forward for another trade or whatever. But, um, you know, if, if I can't get Brandon Miller, I'm not even discussing Miles Turner. And if that's not enough, then I don't know that you're going to be able to hang there. Um, so I don't know. I mean, like, you know, Buddy Heald, I think, is your fourth best, uh, you know, current trade guy. And, and I don't think that's enough for Portland, uh, you know, to make the move, um, you know, even if it's Buddy and somebody else uh, for the three, you know, plus the seven. I don't think that that cuts it. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's gonna be hard. Again, I think it's especially I'm a lot less interested if I know Charlotte is taking Brandon Miller. Uh, yes, I would look hard and long at Scoot Henderson and pairing him with Halliburton. There's some obvious concerns there and that they're uh, somewhat similar players. And, you know, and Halliburton, I, I don't want to say needs the ball, but you, but you want him to have the ball. I mean, it, yeah. it's not a matter of what he wants. It's, uh, um, it, it's what you want with him on the floor. So, uh, mm-hmm. and then I agree with you. I mean, and you know, on one hand, it's, it's the Miles Turner career trajectory is just absolutely crazy because, yeah. uh, you know, he could have easily been traded at any moment at any point in the last four years. And now, um, you know, if I could get Scoot Henderson for Miles Turner, I think I would probably do it. But I get what you're saying. It's not uh, I mean, it's not an automatic thing at all. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and the biggest problem is if you trade Turner, all of you got to replace him. So now you're looking for two big guys. Uh, right. Who exactly. Like the modern NBA. And that's just I mean, that's a, and again, maybe you say, hey, we don't. You know, not that we don't care about next year, but we're willing to take one more year to try mm-hmm. to figure it out. But the draft next year is not supposed to be strong. The last thing you need is more young guys. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it is really a tricky, tricky spot to be in because I don't know that. Um, I, I mean, because you could get Nurkic back and that would fill the hole, but he's not Turner. Um, yeah. And, and he can't play with you. 
the same way that you want to play. I mean, right. Tyrese wants to run. And, you know, Nurkic's great at – and, like, not that Turner is the fastest center in the league or anything like that, uh, but Nurkic is a big dude. Nurkic's there to set bone-rattling screens and, and knock somebody on their butt and and then go chase rebounds and, and you know, uh, get short buckets that way. I mean, he's just a massive human, and he's valuable. Don't get me wrong. Nurkic, Nurkic is very, very good at what he does, but he's in that, you know, uh, th- there's that little pocket of, of real five men left in the league, you know, the Valanchunas and the Nurkic's and um, – um, you know, guys like him who are not, you know, they're they're too big to move really, really fast. But, you know, in a half court setting, you know, they, they're really valuable for space in the floor just for for setting big screens. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I still think there's capacity for Turner to get better. And I think, uh, you know, Halliburton, I think, really likes what he gets out of that because he's a guy who can hit a pick a pop three. He can score off the roll. He, again, runs better than you think, finishes better than you think, is, is hitting good free throws, blocking shots. Um, you know, I just I don't know that they're going to get a that they can get a better center. Uh, they can get get a better five man, and so it's like okay, you're you're basically open up opening up one hole to plug another one. Um, and I, especially if you're sort of doing that to um, you know try to to experiment with with Halliburton and Henderson, basically you're putting yourself in the position of the Sacramento Kings before the trade. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of what you're looking at is saying like, okay, let's 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 try, you know, like Fox and Halliburton didn't quite work. Let's see if if Halliburton and Henderson works and you give up your five. Uh, You know, the biggest thing about these trades, the trade is is basically it allowed each of those teams to walk away with a point guard they could trust and a center they could trust. And and I don't know that you're better as the Pacers for getting rid of uh, your center in that case and messing up that that dynamic. I mean, I think Miller is worth uh Miller's worth digging in for but I don't know that Henderson is worth um as good as he is and I'm not not downplaying the fact that he's really really good I'm I'm just it's I don't think it's worth giving up the uh, the other assets uh that it would take it's especially like again I think you know if if you want the 3 from Portland you might have to give up uh you know you might have to give up Turner that's what they want and you know if if you can give up Buddy and get Scoot maybe but I don't love that either and well, the biggest thing is I just don't think Heald has the same value. I think Heald has value, certainly. But I don't sure. think he has the same value as Turner, really. It's it's dra- It's a drastic difference. Yeah, it's a drastic cut, drastic drop off between Turner and Heald in terms of trade value. Um, and I mean, it, Buddy is really good. I mean, like again, like he's definitely there's like, you know. There's Matherin and Halliburton, who they shouldn't even think about talking about. There's Turner, who's again break glass in case of emergency, in case you can get get a major, um, just just get something major back. You know, just a guy that can be part of a of a real mega deal uh, that gets you somebody that you really want an All Star caliber player. Uh, and then there's like Buddy and McConnell um, and some of those other guys. Buddy and McConnell in particular are vets that you know can play their role and play it well. And, you know, if somebody needs that role filled, uh, they're as valuable at it as you can get. Um, if you need a floor spacer, you can't get better than Buddy Heald. I obviously only got him for one year on the contract. You got a chance to re-sign him. Um, you know, if you need a three-point shooter to space the floor, you know, Buddy Heald's your man. Uh, and if you need a really good floor general uh, for your second unit that's going to be able to defend, be a pest on defense, find a way to get to his shot, pass the ball well, you know, get – eight points and five assists every night and maybe a couple steals, you know, TJ McConnell is your man and you got several more years uh, of him being able to do that. Um, so they can bring you something back, but it's just very specific in terms of that being a need that you need to fill. 
Yeah, and we talked about this before we started the podcast, but like, you know, McConnell and Tice, I could see being an attractive package for a team that needs good mm-hmm. bench players. I mean, I mentioned the Lakers are an obvious one. I'm certainly not saying that there's been any conversations like that, but it's just that kind of team. But and, you know, could you get the 17th pick for Tice and McConnell? I mean, I maybe, but that's the maybe. last thing. That's the last thing the Pacers need. I mean, right. so it, it's really complicated really quick because you almost want, you know, you want to combine three guys and get one really good guy, but that's the hardest possible trade to make. With McConnell and Tice, you could, I mean, I, there would be teams that would be interested in them. I just don't know what you're getting back if you're the Pacers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then there's the whole conversation. Now, the other thing the Pacers have going for them is salary cap space. They can absorb a contract. Um, yeah. that might mean that they can get something back better, but, but yeah, it's a really complicated, uh, situation in terms of, uh, what they, what they can make in terms of, you know, what they, the assets they have turning them into something that really helps the team right now. Yeah. It's just, you're, you're just not sure, you know, what it's going to be. I mean, I think, um, you know, they're clearly marketing that, that 26 pick, that 29th pick, that 32, 32nd pick, they want to move those. Um, and it's just a question of, okay, what, what can you ultimately get for them? And can they, you know, there's a possibility that that they can move up with those three and get somewhere in between, you know, 10 and 20, uh, and, and maybe get another, uh, rookie that's more ready to go. Um, you know, might not be a a superstar quality player, but you know, somebody that you can use. I mean, like they're not going to draft Jalen Huchifino because he's a lead guard, but I mean, somebody of that caliber, uh, you know, I, I think that they could. Uh, potentially getting just get a second rookie and end up getting that um, using that 55th pick for a um, uh, just, you know, for somebody that you stash in the G League and put on a two way. Um, you know, I think that's that's certainly if, if that's what they end up with, you know, that's a good draft. I think if, if especially they they, they can um, uh, identify somebody they really like uh, somewhere in there and, and, and find a team that really needs depth of rookies rather than quality um but that's that's the hard part i mean like we're, you're uh i was in some kind of conversation on twitter about just the difference between you know the nfl and the nba when it comes to the draft i mean like just this number of picks help you so much more uh in the nfl because i mean there's just obviously there's so many more positions to fill um you get down at the bottom here and you don't know if it, it, even in the first round um you know in the nfl you're still drafting guys that you expect to start uh, whereas the NBA, you're drafting guys that you just hope make the team. Uh, you know, when you get towards, I mean, you got to pay them guaranteed money. Um, you obviously get lucky with a guy like Nemhard, but you know, you want somebody that's useful um, at 26, 27, 28, 29. But you don't know that you're getting that, and and therefore, you know, if if you're looking at those assets, you're like, do I really want to give up? 16 17 who i i trust is going to be a player uh for 26 27 28 that i'm not sure of um so that's it's going to be interesting to see how they try to move these what they package together um but you know i i i while i talk about this i also do sort of give pritchard some benefit of the doubt because i mean it seems like he's interested uh in you know rolling the dice uh with i think he sees an opportunity to be aggressive and be creative and so i I wouldn't be surprised if they try to find you know try to find you know third trade partners in certain circumstances make deals that don't seem evident uh to us right now uh but he's clearly going to try to make some moves and he's obviously positioned himself by telling even the media obviously us just saying hey i am not bringing in five rookies uh and being very blatant about the fact that he wants to move these items um 
you know, it's I'm just intrigued by how he's going to do this. I don't I mean, there, it's altogether possible he pulls a rabbit out of a hat that we don't see coming. Yeah. And I also I mean, I, I've said this 100 times, but you look at every move that Pritchard's made and it's not like he's hit them all. But he's no his connect. His, his batting average is higher than I think he gets credit for. You flip the flip side of that is he has never the team's never won a playoff series in his tenure. If you want to say he can't be called successful because of that, I'm not going to argue with you. But I do think. Um, but I like exactly what you say. I trust that he's uh, some combination of smart enough to figure out what works. I also think he's willing to. I, I mean, there's there's times where you almost are willing to take a loss in a trade. Um, you know, because that's better than having five rookies on the, you know, you'd rather get 80 cents on the dollar than have five rookies next year. Um, right, and right. as long as it's the right 80 cents, you know, you're, you, you know, that, that's what the, um, that's the, that's the right move in that part. Um, the other thing I'd really like to see them do is take two power forwards. If they're keeping multiple, you know, anything beyond, uh, the, you know, the first two, if they're keeping two of the top four picks there, um, one, one option would certainly be Trace Jackson Davis, obviously of IU. He was here to work out. Um, a lot of people don't think he's a good fit for the Pacers because he's more of a center than a power forward. Um, mm-hmm. But talk about him in the relation to the Pacers, and then we'll just talk about him in general as an NBA player. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that that would be my concern. I mean, I, I do think there are a lot of Pacers fans are starting to get excited about the idea of him being a late round pick. And that's where I would pump the brakes and say, hey, what's you know, uh, what is stopping him from getting sort of sucked into that uh, just competition with Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson? I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, if, if I'm um, just sort of really grading them on their entirety as basketball players. I mean, I think Trace is a more well-rounded player. Um, and, you know, on, on to some extent, you can judge them better at the college level when they can be uh, the focus of a team and, and sort of all of their skill set has to come into play. Uh, you know, it was the case for Trace when when just everything was built around him, where, you know, Jalen Smith, it, it only kind of was. I mean, he had some kind of running mates on those Maryland teams. Um, and I think it was his last year he got to score a bunch, but I don't think he was ever like, you know, far and away their best player where Trace was. And Isaiah Jackson obviously was part of just a the constant stream of talent at Kentucky. And, you know, uh, you know, he kind of got buried the year he was there. I mean, he, 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 you know, got some chances to show out, but he wasn't any kind of dominant player. But on the flip side, I mean, they each have things that they're better at than Trace. I mean, Jalen Smith is a better shooter. Uh, he's a really good rebounder, got a ton of length, probably is longer uh, than Jackson Davis. And I would I think at least at this point in his career is going to be a better rebounder if you put Jackson Davis in there. And Jackson's a better, uh, Isaiah Jackson's a better raw athlete. Uh, you know, he's going to be better at, at, at blocking shots and finishing lobs. Trace is a pretty good one but like isaiah gets up there for everything uh on a screen and roll up i mean he just just you you throw it up there and he's probably gonna get a hand on it so you're not trying to give up on those guys yet they've got too much talent and you know you don't want to i i don't think get put trace in a position where he's stuck having to fight for minutes with those guys. I mean, they, they had enough issue with those guys taking D, you know, several DNPs in a row uh, in January and February where they were trying to get uh, Tice some minutes and then they were just trying to get each of them the opportunity to play, but they were still clearly stuck behind uh, Turner as the starter. And then you know, you're at least a few years away from, uh, you know, presuming you don't make a big move, you're at least a few years away from moving that guy. Um, so th- that's just my thing is that I don't know 
you know, uh, the power forward position is just more of a perimeter position now. Um, and, and I think he could be a four, could have been a four in the old days of what the four was. But, you know, you got to be able to shoot threes at that position. Um, and I, he's certainly getting to be a better shooter. Like you're, you are seeing legitimate progress um, just from what we've watched. Uh, you know, got to see at the combine, you know, got to see even in shoot around. Uh, heard from Tabellis yesterday about he's like, man, this guy was actually shooting threes in my face. I was not expecting that. Um, and so there's something there. But like, you know, the guys that are playing power forward now are established three point shooters uh, that can spread the floor at that position, you know, that can run down in the corner and, and, and score from there and whatnot. And even if you're just looking at the Pacers roster, I mean, Jordan Nora can play the four and Jordan Nora can really score from there. You know, Jordan Nora is, can make all the shots you need a power forward to make. Um, so what's the point of trying to force Trace Jackson Davis to be that guy if Jordan Nora can already be that guy coming off the bench? What are you? What are your thoughts on uh, Trace Jackson Davis carving out a spot somewhere else? I mean, in the NBA. I mean, how? What are the odds of him? Uh, you know, having a whatever seven-year career or whatever it is. I do think pretty good. I, I, on the flip side of that, I do think pretty good. As much as I sort of caution everybody not to get too excited about him going to the Pacers, I think there's a, a, a place for him. I mean, I haven't looked at everybody's roster to say, you know what, it'd be best if he goes there. Um, you know, who, who is the most lacking in center depth right now? Um, but, I, you know, I was sort of – I've. For one thing, um, just from following this Pacers team and getting a better sense of how an NBA locker room works, I mean, uh, Trace is really going to fit personality-wise wherever he goes. Um, you know, I, I I do think we sort of um, we as people who have been able to cover him for years, you know, I mean, I, I first wrote about him when he was at Center Grove, um, and just a, a good dude, but also super super intellect uh you know is really capable of talking the game and but and, and really capable of seeing the game and understanding it he's going to be ahead of the game and understanding what he's supposed to do on defense what he's supposed to do on offense it's gonna be very easy for him to, to process whatever he's being asked to do fit in with everybody know where everybody's supposed to be be able to read scouting reports all that kind of stuff like i mean he, he's going to be advanced as far as that's concerned he's going to be able to fit in in any you know nba locker room you throw him into and that that gives you staying power uh he's not going to be he's going to come in and operate like a professional to start um and so i think that gives him you know that that matters that's the sort of thing that keeps you in the league is if guys like you around i mean shoot you know like james johnson's got a paycheck this year and he barely played you know um and there wasn't much he could do but they they liked him that much just what kind of you know guy he was you know george hill the same way um and obviously they're older and they've got veteran experience and stuff like that but that just tells you the personality matters you know um and intellect matters and iq matters and stuff like that and trace is one of those guys he's really advanced about the way that he talks to game so i think that gives him a lot of opportunity but but obviously real athleticism real passing skill has proven that he can get better over time at things if you tell him hey you know fix this get this right you know i know it, it strikes that is not being the case because he, he never did take the three pointers that he was supposed to take um you know that's not what Indiana demanded of him and they, they wanted him to be able to score on the block and he was capable of doing that. He got better at that. Even if he was doing simple stuff, you know, found a way to just get to his left hand and, and score however he had to score. Um, but again, like I think the, the, the emergence of the passing skill really stands out to me, the, his ability to add things there, the emergence, the handle getting better. Uh, I think he's a better driver from the perimeter. Um, so I think he can be more effective even on short rolls as a five or uh, in, in positions where he might have to drive the ball from the perimeter. You know, I, I think a lot of that stuff goes a long way. And so I think he's got a chance to be a very a valuable. I'm, and I, do I, I think he's going to be a bench guy. 
um for to start and probably for a while um you know i mean i don't know if he'll ever be an ever every day nba starter um but i think he can you know create and carve out and maintain uh, a really good role off the bench because there's a lot of little things that he's gonna be able to do well yeah i think the passing is an interesting aspect of his game and that you can put him out on the floor and he can move the ball so you know maybe he's a 15 minute a night guy who helps a, a team win um games without putting up big numbers which still seems weird given how good he was in the Big Ten, um, mm. but that sort of shows you where the NBA is versus the college game, especially in the Big Ten. Uh, sure. these, um, all right, well, hey, that, we'll wrap it up here. we got plenty more coming. Uh, obviously, we got two big workouts coming up tomorrow. Uh, we're, we're recording this uh, in the uh, 4.30 on Tuesday. Um, so uh, keep coming to IndyStar.com uh, for all your Pacers needs. Thank you. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.